Praise the name of Jesus. Turn with me this morning. We're going to go to a number of different scriptures. But turn with me, if you would, first of all, to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Amen. James chapter 1. And uh, I didn't take out the garbage yet because it's not full enough. We don't have enough trash in there to, to, for me to take out the garbage. You know, I got to, you know, like I said last week, we got to kind of push it down a little bit, make room in the bag. You don't want to waste the bags. But we're going to take out the trash again this week. And I got to see what I got in here because this week there are a couple of extra things. But the main thing is this. We're going to take out the trash. Can you see this? I don't think it, yeah. Sinful speech. We're going to take out the trash of sinful speech. All right, let's get that in our heads right now. In fact, why don't I just take care of sinful speech at the moment, and we'll just put it in the garbage bag and keep it right close by. There are some other things. And in fact, if we were to talk about all the places in Scripture that the Bible talks about sinful speech, we would be here for at least two weeks, day in and day out. There are so many different uh, sins of the tongue, as it were, that the Bible talks about that if we were to deal with all of them, it would take a very, very long time to talk about them. And today, I simply want to deal with two. We're going to deal with two today. The Bible says this in James chapter 1 and verse 26. It says, if anyone considers himself religious yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself. Now listen to what James says. I didn't write this. James wrote it under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. His religion is worthless. Think about it for a minute. We're worried about the biggies, most of us. We might talk about a big one here or there, depending on the clientele, depending on the age group in here. But I will say this. It seems as though we as Christians tend to major on minors and minor on majors. The Bible is very clear that if you are unable, and I'm speaking to you as a believer, as a Christian, if you are unable to keep a tight rein on your tongue, then the Bible says this, whatever kind of external rites of religion that you perform, for instance, for us in the day and age of grace, the external of religion for many of us is to come to church. That's one of them. Another external of our religion is, at least in our church here today, I know that not every church 
praises God with a loud voice and lifts their hands and claps their hands. But for us today, I'm preaching to you, and for all of us in this building today, the external, one of the externals is the outward worship and praise that comes from our lives. Those are things that show, that indicate that we have some kind of a religious experience. And yet the Bible says this very clearly. And you'd have to take time to read James chapter 3. We're not going to get into that today. We've got some other direction, another direction to go in. But James says it very clearly. If you do not keep a tight rein on your tongue, you are deceiving yourself. I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, careful. Because James says your faith, your religion has a great deal to do with what comes out of your mouth. Can I get one tiny amen? I, I, I knew when I started this series, this was going to be a, you know, it's kind of like the, you know, the lead balloon. It just, it doesn't go up, it boom. It plummets to the floor. That's all right. You don't have to say amen if you don't want to. It makes me feel a whole lot more comfortable, but you're not here for me. I'm here for you. There is a, a Jewish rabbi uh, by the name of Joseph Telushkin. I, I heard just a little bit of his comments. He is the author. He is an author uh, and, uh, of a book called Words That Hurt, Words That Heal, and uh, I've seen a little bit of his, you know, uh, on YouTube. You, you can find pretty much anybody and everybody who has had any kind of FaceTime with a video camera on YouTube these days. But he was talking about different things. But in his book, and, and he was very good. I, I, we have our basis, by the way, in the Old Testament. And in our, in, 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 it comes out of Judaism. But I was listening to him, but then the, these comments that he made are so important. I want to read this to you. Uh, he often lectures about the impact or on the impact of words. He asks audience, uh, audiences if they can go 24 hours without saying any unkind words about another person or to another person. Invariably in his audience, there are a small number of listeners that raise their hands signifying, yes, they can go 24 hours without saying anything not so nice about another person or to another person. Other responses that he gets uh, in the audience is other people just laugh. And quite a large number call out, no, we can't go 24 hours without saying some unkind word about somebody or to somebody. I'm not going to ask that question here this morning. That's going to have to be between you and Lord, the Lord by the time this message is over. But this rabbi says, those of you who cannot answer yes must recognize you have a serious problem. If you cannot go 24 hours without drinking liquor... You are addicted to alcohol. If you cannot go 24 hours without smoking, you are addicted to nicotine. Similarly, if you cannot go 24 hours without saying unkind words about others, then you have lost control of your tongue. 
ooh, this is from a rabbi. James says the same thing. James, the brother of the Lord, wrote this important message for all of us that we have to keep a tight rein on our tongues. And if you believe it, at least say amen. I believe with all my heart today that this is the ongoing battle in the Christian life. No, it's not temptation to give in to some kind of immorality. It's not the temptation to go out and just all of a sudden party like there's no tomorrow. It's not the temptation to do these things. It is the temptation to let the mouth go and say things that as believers we have no business saying. Now, in another book written by Ken Durham, a man by the name of Ken Durham written many a few years ago, many years ago, it was in the 90s. That seems like an eternity ago now. And, and, and I, I picked up a copy of that book called uh, uh, Made to Communicate, I believe. Created to Communicate, one of those. And he listened there many, many sins of the tongue. He's got scripture right associated with these different things. Today I want to talk about two because I believe that the dangerous poison of these two things are deadly both for the recipient and the deliverer of them. We think for, you know, at times we think the only person who's going to be affected by the sins of the tongue is going to be the person if they find out what's said. So we're always kind of, you know, make sure you don't tell anybody. Listen, if you've got to keep a secret, you ought not to be saying it. If you, if you are saying, now don't tell anybody, don't tell brother, brother so-and-so what I said about it. Come on, it's our little secret, then you ought not to be speaking. We got to learn to keep our mouths in check. Learn to keep the tongue in the control and under the control of the, of, of, uh, by the Holy Spirit. Today I want to talk about two sins of the tongue that have incredible devastating effects on the victims of these two things. The first part of the sinful speech I want to preach about today, you guessed it, gossip. Oh, it's time. It's time. It's time to take out the trash. It's time. We, look, we could talk about vulgar speech. We could talk about blaspheming. We could talk about cursing. We could talk about all of those things from a scriptural, biblical perspective. We could talk about it all. But the bottom line is that gossip brings about such incredible, devastating effects to those who have been gossiped about. And unless we remember and understand that we have all been created in the image of God, God, we have a tendency to let this one go. This never seems to get thrown in the trash. It sort of just sits up on the shelf and every now and then we kind of pull it down because something is just too juicy to let go of this thing. You can't believe what I just heard. You can't believe what's going on. I got to tell you what's going on. Hello? Never going to believe this. This is the stuff of movies. Too good, too good to be true. See, we laugh because we know it's true. Gossip 
is the spreading, is spreading idle talk, spreading rumor, or personal information about others. We live in a day and age now where privacy has become more constricted, more limited. Companies now with the advent of the internet and everything, literally everything being done by computers these days. For those of you who are old souls and you stay away from computers, you might as well just give in. It's going to happen sooner or later. But that having been said, there are those agencies that work very hard at making sure that your personal information stays private and personal. There are other unscrupulous people, businesses, things that do their best to discover and uncover your personal information. If you log in, for instance, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a walking advertisement here and I'm, I'm not trying to, but yeah, I, I don't even like to go to stores anymore. I just jump on the computer and I go, to, I go straight to Amazon. If I need something, yeah, yeah, somebody can, you can say amen to that. I don't have, I don't have stock in Amazon. I don't, I don't, I don't have stock, forget it. I don't, I don't have, you know, any, I'm not an employee, but I, I shop occasionally. And I shop right there because I pretty much find everything I need. But I notice something because I have an account. They've got to know where to send my stuff. But if you will notice, if you've ever done this, you log on to a website like that, you have your account information there, and all of a sudden, the next time you come on, it shows, here's what you viewed the last time. May we make some suggestions to you and for you. And they have all of these things that all of a sudden you're thinking, yeah, I think I need that. Why? Because they've got your personal information. You've given them enough stuff. You've shown them enough of what you're interested in. They're now going to channel that to other stuff they sell. Not necessarily a bad thing unless you are a habitual shopper and, you know. But every now and then that kind of thing happens. Personal information should remain personal. And there are those, those companies, they, they say, well, we, we work very hard at making sure that you're the only person who sees it, you're the only person who has any kind of access to it. I, I tried to call a little while ago about uh, some dental uh, things, and they said, no, the, the dental insurance that you have is under your wife's name. We've got to talk to your wife. Only she can deal with that information. And I said, but uh, we're married, we're one. They said, no, it doesn't matter. We've got to talk to her, and, or, or she has to do this particular thing. I was like, okay, fine. But I, the privacy issue is there. We live in a day and age where it has become more constricted. Brothers and sisters, I want you to know that within the church, it has always been an issue. It's always been that gossip is never something that you and I as Christians, as believers, should partake in and be a part in. I don't think it, it matters how juicy it really is. It needs to stop. <clears throat> the Bible indicates this. Turn over to Romans chapter 1. Romans 1. Gossip is always associated with evil. 
say, come on, pastor, really? Yes. Scripturally, it is. Say, but I, I, I don't pass on, you know, bad information. I don't pass on, but you're passing on personal information. You're passing on something that just isn't your business. You're passing on something that you should not be passing on. If you have come to some kind of knowledge of it, you have to ask yourself where you got the knowledge in the first place. Is where you got the knowledge a credible place to get it? Journalists are very concerned about that kind of issue. Shouldn't we as as believers make sure that what comes over and through our ears and into our minds... Is it credible? Is it reliable? And then what am I as a Christian supposed to do with it? And many times what happens is what we do with it is we pick up the phone and we just start disseminating the information. How many of you ever played the little game telephone? It's an amazing thing. We, in our our little family of four, on occasion, after dinner, we'll play a little after dinner game. And this little after dinner game always comes up, telephone where you whisper something into somebody's ear. Now, the person who it originated with, they know what they said. But the na- and you can only say it once, because sometimes that's all it said, only once. It goes to the next person. By the time it gets to the, the fourth person in our little family of four, our experiment is, by the time it gets to the fourth person, it looks nothing like what the original was. Nothing, absolutely nothing like it. That's how it is with gossip. But you see, the gossip, gossip seems to be associated with evil. Now, Paul in Romans chapter 1 talks about the, the Gentile world, and, and he is talking about how it was that, uh, and in contrast to the law being given to the Jews and the Hebrews in the Old Testament and how they had the law, how were the Gentiles supposed to know about God? In a world where the law wasn't given to them, God did not reveal through the Scripture to them, the the Old Testament Scripture, He didn't reveal anything to them. How are they supposed to know? Paul goes on in Romans chapter 1 and talks about how it was that God revealed Himself. Enough about Himself in nature, in the world that we live in, to cause man to go after God, to search for God, to look for Him. Paul talks about how it was that even though God had revealed himself in that way, they found ways of pushing that knowledge down and suppressing that knowledge and pushing it away. And now he's talking about the character. Let's pick up at verse 29. The Bible says this. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, Greed and depravity. Now listen to this. They are full of envy, murder, oh my, that's a big one, that's huge, strife, deceit, that's another one I was going to talk about, but realize I'm not going to have enough time, deceit and malice. Now notice the end of verse 29, it leads into verse 30. They are what? Gossips. Reading from the NIV, they are gossips. Paul is not putting this in a list of things that maybe you shouldn't 
partake in. Paul has the word gossip, has the whole idea, the nature of gossip in a very big list, and the list goes on into verse 30 and down through to, I believe, 32. It, the list goes on of some of the things that, that are these sinful desires that they pushed God away with and they went after their own way, but right there in the middle of it is they are gossips. Gossip is always associated with evil. Remember, it's spreading idle talk, rumor, or personal information about others. Something else that we need to recognize, go over into the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs. We're going to be there just for a few verses of Scripture. Proverbs chapter 11. There's something else that's very dangerous that happens when we allow gossip to come out of our lives. And it's this, Proverbs chapter 11, gossip betrays confidence. Gossip betrays confidence and therefore betrays your friendship. It betrays what it is that you should be as a friend to another person. But then it also puts you in a light where you cannot be trusted. Gossip betrays confidence. It's associated with evil, but then it also betrays confidence. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 13, and then we'll go over to Proverbs 20 and verse 19. It essentially says the same thing. The Bible says, a gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. In other words, you might have a close friend who confides in you, who comes to you and says, you know, you're you've maybe built a relationship and a friendship over the years and that person puts their confidence in you to be able to share some of the things that they're going through, that they're dealing with. Some things that may be uncomfortable for the common public in your life to be aware of, but you have been entrusted with this information. The Bible says this, it tells us that a gossip betrays a confidence. When they give that to you, they are entrusting something to you that is precious to them, important to them, and intensely personal to them. What do you do with it? The Bible says on the, on the other, the flip side of this, the positive side, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. Brothers and sisters, if you've got a close friend, don't think that the, the friend telling you something is to be that kind of thing that then you can publicize because you may end up hurting and wounding that individual and bringing them down to a place where they never wanted to go. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, God is a God who is concerned about your privacy. When we pray for people on Tuesday nights, I'll be honest with you, there are times that prayer requests are written out in great detail. And when I stand up to present those requests, I don't give half the detail of what is written out. Because there are times where wisdom dictates, I don't say what's there. God knows what's there, and it's okay to write out 
things that are maybe personal and private to you, but these may not necessarily be things in wisdom that we, we should be sharing with everybody. I realize we're the body of Christ, but I want you to know that we can still pray, we can still call on the name of the Lord, and God sees what's written, and God, He doesn't even need to see what's written. God knows what's going on on the inside of your heart, so He knows what can happen. The last thing we need to do is to walk away from a Tuesday night saying, ooh, I wonder what's going on there. That's not what Tuesday night's all about. It's about calling on the Lord for an answer to prayer. No matter how intense, how painful, how difficult it might be, brothers and sisters, that is why we do it. Now, don't ever come to somebody and say, I need prayer. I can't share anything. But you can tell me. Oh, I don't think so. If somebody, if somebody's coming at you like, come on, you can tell me. You can't tell them. You can't tell them anything. Don't share your business. Just say pray and call on the Lord. A gossip betrays a confidence. Chapter 20, Proverbs 20 and verse 19 says essentially the same thing, and yet it gives us a piece of advice that is actually found in the New Testament. We're going to read a couple of scriptures a little bit later on about this. The Bible says this, a gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. Oh my goodness, really? This is in the Bible? I didn't think God was really all concerned because I love to talk. You and your cell phone get along really, really well. I love to just jabber along and, you know, everybody's, they know my business and I got to find out what's their business. You know what the Bible says? Avoid. Avoid somebody who talks too much. In other words, it's not you're having a conversation about, you know, the weather or having a conversation about, you know, all different things that are sort of benign in their nature. It is that intense, you know, that secretive that kind of passing of personal information. If you know that individual to be the kind of person who is always saying, guess what I heard? Guess what's going on here? Guess what this person told me? Guess what's going on? Then that is the person, brothers and sisters, you need to avoid in this. It's not talking about, well, they talk too much because they like to hear themselves talk. It's not talking about that because in the context of this proverb, it is about gossip. So avoid the person who's always wanting to relay information because chances are they are relaying information not that they have first-hand knowledge to, but that was passed along to them. Here we go on the telephone once again, and we can't get the story straight. Amen, Pastor. Gossip destroys friendship. What are we going to do with this? It's got to get thrown in the trash. Gossip destroys friendship. Proverbs 16. Since you're in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 16, verse 28. Proverbs, Proverbs 16, verse 28. says this. A perverse man stirs up dissension, and a gossip separates close friends. I don't know when the last time you read Proverbs, but I would encourage you to do so maybe just a little bit more. 
Because Proverbs helps us with life. Helps us with being wise as believers. But the Bible says here that gossip, uh, uh, gossip separates close friends. Well, I heard this. Really? I can't believe it. All of a sudden now, your close friend, you don't call them, you don't talk to them, you're avoiding them. Not because they have offended you, hurt you, did anything personally to you, but because of what you've heard. The gossip gets in the way of your having that friendship, that bond and relationship within the body of Christ that we all need to have. Brothers and sisters, you know what? We all need each other. I realize there are people who walk around thinking, I don't need anybody. I don't need you. I don't need this. I don't need... But you know what we do? As believers, we need one another. And the last thing that we need is we need... The last thing that we need is to have this, this gossip get in the way of how we relate to one another and what it is that we are to one another as friends and as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, it seems from Scripture that gossip has to be taken in hand and it needs to be thrown in the trash. we gotta, we got to put it in the trash and leave it there. Don't take it out. Go, don't, don't dig through the garbage. Don't be garbage pickers when it comes to that, brothers and sisters, because there is no place in our Christian lives for gossip. Now, going hand in hand with that, there is one other part of the sinful speech. One other sinful dagger of the tongue that can bring such damage to somebody's life. It goes beyond gossip. It's, it's always damaging. There's never anything constructive about it. There is absolutely nothing that this particular thing can ever do to help you, whether you are the deliverer of it and it's working through you, which I hope it's not because it's the devil that's working through you, or if you are on the receiving end, there is nothing constructive about this. And it is... Slander. Slander. What is slander? Listen to this definition. Slander is damaging or destroying someone's reputation by speaking malicious and untrue things about them. In other words, your speech is hateful and most often you're a liar. I was going to talk about lying today, but I realized with slander, you don't really have to talk about lying so much because in order to be a slanderous individual, you either have to just be a hateful person or you've got to be a liar. Either way, slander is destructive and damaging to somebody else's reputation. You say, well, pastor, it serves them right. You need to get to the altar and repent. I'll just put it that way. Oh, they deserve it. They got it coming. Really? What did you have coming when Jesus died on the cross for you? What did you have coming to you? What do you have coming? You think, well, pastor, they're, they're, just, they're just mean and cantankerous, and, you know, you got to fight fire with fire. I don't think so. 
Jesus said this as Peter pulled out his sword on the night that Jesus was betrayed. And Peter goes at the, you know, he goes, he goes at the, the servant of the high priest and all of a sudden lops off the guy's ear. And of course, Jesus picks up the ear, heals it, puts it back on and heals the young man as he was there. Peter, Jesus turned to Peter and said, if you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. You know the old saying, what goes around you know that's scriptural, right? Just not said in that way. What you sow, you reap. You want, to, you want to be slanderous? You want to damage somebody's reputation? You want to hurt that individual? Then i got to tell you today, you've got to get something and throw it in the trash because it will not help your life and it will not help the lives of the individuals that you are victimizing. And I say that very clearly. They become victims. A victim is somebody who has to deal with the pain of a crime committed against them. This is a crime, brothers and sisters. Slander is not something that is, should be found in the believer's life. In, fla- in fact, the Bible says, turn to Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter, uh, chapter 15, verses 18 through 20. Slander defiles a person. Slander defiles the person through whom it's delivered. Remember that. It doesn't necessarily defile the person on the receiving end, though it does hurt them. It causes pain. It causes damage and destruction in their lives. It brings about a pain like you have never known. But you've got to remember, if you are on the giving side of slander, it defiles you. Listen to what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 15, verses 18 to 20. The Bible says, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these make a man unclean. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. And the Pharisees are all worried about the fact that the disciples have just eaten without ceremonially washing their hands. Now, they're not, they're not concerned about whether or not their hands are clean for hygiene's sake. They are worried about they didn't fulfill the law. They're worried about religion. And Jesus is setting them straight and saying, it's not what goes into your body that defiles you. It's not eating with unceremonially, you know, dirty hands. It is what's coming out of you that counts. Let's read on. Verse 19. For out of the heart come evil thoughts. These are the biggies. Murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony. This is why in court they always tell you Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. You lie under oath, you're going to find yourself in the slammer. You go to jail because you lie, you bear false testimony, but slander? Really, Jesus? This is what makes me unclean? Yes. He ends up with slander. He says, these, in verse 20, are what make a man unclean, but eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. Slander. See, Jesus, even Jesus said slander defiles you. 
You want to ruin somebody's reputation. You want to get at them. You want to hurt them. You say, but you don't know what they did to me. They hurt me. Aren't you glad that Jesus did not deal with us according to what our sins deserve? We might talk about that in a future message a little bit and go more into detail with that. But I got to tell you, if you're going to fight fire with fire, remember, you will get burned yourself. Jesus said, this is what defiles a person. It's not the receiving of slander. It's not the receiving of all of these things that he talks about. It is the giver of these things that defiles themselves. He said, this is what defiles a person. This is what makes this person unclean. Brothers and sisters, we have to guard our tongues. We have to guard our minds. We have to keep our tongues from this kind of evil. Keep it from speaking anything that would damage somebody else. You say, but you pastor, you're talking to Christians and you're talking about Christians. No, this ought to walk into the workplace with you. You ought to be different than your, your you know, gathering around the water fountain friends. You ought to be different as you're standing, you know, in the, the break room having a cup of coffee and they want to begin to badmouth the boss. And, you know, that boss just so mean and rotten. He look, it might be mean and rotten. Ain't nothing, you're not going to change them, by the way, just FYI. It ain't going to be you that's going to affect change in the place. How about this? Glorify the Lord rather than slander your boss. Begin to thank God for the fact you got a job. Begin to thank God for the fact that you got something to provide for your family, brothers and sisters, rather than go the route of the world and be defiled by it. Slander coming out of you is a sign of deep-seated evil. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Jesus already said this is what defiles a person, makes a, a person unclean, but let's just let's put it where it is. Let's remember where it, needs, where it belongs. Slander is a sign of deep-seated evil. Paul writes to the Corinthians, and Paul is, in chapter 5, having to deal with an intensely difficult situation in the Corinthian church. There is a man in the church who is sexually immoral in a very, very bad way. And Paul is telling the Corinthians, he's asking them, he's saying, listen, you, you need to, this, this brother is not a brother. He's not living like a brother. He's not living like somebody who is supposed to be living in the body of Christ. He's living like the devil. And, and there has to be correction that is brought to this man. But Paul is, is going on and he's talking about verse 11. Listen to what he says. He says, but now I'm writing you that you must not associate with anyone. Now, this is very important. Who calls himself a brother but is, I'm a brother in Christ, but sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater, now here it is, or a slanderer, a drunkard, or a swindler. Yeah. With such a man, do not even eat. Oh, but I'm a brother in Christ. I'm a sister in Christ. But I can't shut my mouth about how rotten that other person is because they looked at me funny. 
And do you know that when they look at me funny, they always mean something by that. They always say, you know how we do? We, we get all worried about what, what somebody did from across the aisle in church. And that is the beginning of a slanderous conversation. Now, you have to remember, Paul is saying here, he's got it in the same sort of list as what Jesus had it that makes us unclean. There is sign and evidence here that something on the inside is not where it ought to be with God. That maybe our relationship with the Lord has been purely superficial, purely one of those things. As long as I got everybody else fooled, I'm okay. I want you to know the one you've got to make sure is, is, is always seeing and knowing what's going on. It's God. Stop worrying about what your brothers and sisters think about you. How about we worry about what God knows about you? Oh, that person, mm, you know. We get mad, we get angry. We begin to let the mouth run. We begin to just kind of let it go. And we talk bad about that person. We ruin their reputation. Now, they may not ever know about it. But there will be somebody next to you that you'll poison. Somebody next to you will now look at that person in a different light because you have allowed the tongue to be in control of the rest of your life. You have allowed your tongue to go and to just sort of spew out all this this garbage and this waste and this nonsense. You see, the Bible tells us this. You say, Pastor, what are we supposed to be doing about this? What is it that we need to do? Well, the Bible indicates that slander must be avoided at all costs. Do you see what Paul said? Stay right here in this verse of Scripture. At the very end of that Scripture, for somebody who claims they are a brother or a sister in Christ, and yet all of these are going on, all of these things, that we could take a long time and talk about these other things, but let's stay on topic, shall we, with slander, and let's, let's see what Paul says we're supposed to do. Don't eat with them. Wow, that sounds so harsh, Pastor. You know why? Because you sit down, you begin to talk, and they can't wait to get it out to you. They can't wait to spread the news. Can't wait to somehow get somebody else to commiserate with them and get them, you know, get in their little, their little slander club and, and begin to, to talk bad about somebody else. And now they got, they got a, a listening ear, but maybe they've got somebody who can just sort of add to it because maybe you know something about that other person that they didn't know. And now all of a sudden it's just this swirling, swirling mess of sewage. Slander, the Bible says, must be avoided. With such a man, the Bible says, do not even eat. You say, but pastor, you know, the majority of the people on my job are slanderous individuals. The people in the world, they, they talk bad. They, they, they don't care about any of this kind of stuff. I'm not talking about the people of the world. Paul isn't talking about the people of the world. He says anybody who says they're a brother, and yet, can't keep their mouths shut. Brothers and sisters, slander has to be taken to the trash. Go to now, right now, to the three verses of Scripture we're going to read in closing. Slander has to be taken to the trash. Ephesians 
chapter 4, verse 31. Paul tells us what we're to do with it. Paul tells us, tells the Ephesian church, he tells the Colossian church, and then Peter tells those dispersed Christians that he was writing to who were persecuted for their faith what it is that they're to do. But Ephesians, Paul writes and says this in Ephesians 4 and verse 31. He says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. He's writing to Christians, to believers. He's saying, this has no part in your life. There's no place. Paul, in the the same book of Ephesians, talks about vulgar humor, talks about uh, vulgar talk, coarse joking, all kinds of things that, you know, eh, no big deal. God, you know, age of grace. Age of grace does not mean license to act like the world and be no different than the world. The age of grace means you don't have to give in to those things. You can live above the world in the way that the world is going. You can live differently. Somebody once said, we don't need revival. We just need to think differently. And I think there is an element of truth to that, although I do believe we need revival more than anything else. But we do. We need to let our minds be focused on Christ and how I can be more like him. Go to Colossians chapter 3 and verse Verse 8, Paul writes to the Colossian church and essentially says the same thing. And it was the Colossian letter that was also supposed to be read in the city of the, to the people who were Christians in the city of Laodicea as well. But he writes this and he says, but now you must rid yourselves. Colossians 3 verse 8, verse 8. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. You are to rid yourselves. You know what he's telling them to do? Time to take out the trash. Take it out. It's trash. It's garbage. It doesn't belong in your life. There's no use for it. There is nothing that you useful that you can do with slander. Slander never helps you, and it never helps the person on the receiving end. Now you must rid yourselves of these things. One final verse in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. 1 Peter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says this. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Peter says it to the people that he is writing to as well. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Say, Pastor, what's the answer? Am I to pray harder? No. Get rid of it. Get it out of your life. Don't, don't give yourself an opportunity to partake in it. Avoid individuals within the body who call themselves brothers who want to feed that kind of swirly mess to you and don't allow it to be in your life. It has no business in the life of the believer, brothers and sisters, 
We have got to take out the trash and get rid of all the sinful speech. We've got to get rid of the gossip, get rid of the slander. And listen, don't even begin to think about pulling out the complaining again. Don't go garbage picking. You don't need that. We've already thrown complaining in the garbage. Get rid of all that stuff. Paul writes, Peter writes, you've got to just throw it in the trash. It doesn't belong in your life. Brothers and sisters, the Bible tells us on the upside what it is that we are to do. It tells us that we are to find out what stirs up one another to love and good works. It tells us that we are to edify and build up the body of Christ. We are to find out how it is that we can serve one another, how we can work to help one another, how we can be supportive. And sometimes being supportive does not mean you got to dig into other people's business so you can pass it along. Being supportive is just coming up alongside of them and praying for them and praying with them get rid of that stuff it doesn't belong in our lives it's time to take out the trash can we bow our heads and close our eyes in the closing moments of this meeting